The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. That's code ROSS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Oh, yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a teaching tutorial Thursday with Professor Greg Cosell from NFL Films University. We're supposed to talk about draft prospects. We might talk about draft prospects. But there has been so much veteran player news since I last spoke to Greg that I got to get his thoughts on some of these team and scheme fits for some of these players that have signed or been traded or whatever. So I have a feeling we might not actually get to any prospects today, but that's okay. We can pick back up there next week. We are presented, of course, by DraftKings. Love those dudes. If you play Daily Fantasy, get the DraftKings app. If you are interested in placing a wager, it's DK Sportsbook app. Spread the word winner, sponsor confirmation email winner, YouTube shout out. I I blew it. I got to be honest with you guys. I got up at like 3.30 yesterday, drove to Philly. I did the morning show for WIP in Philadelphia. Then I drove to Princeton, did stuff all day, did a speech last night, got home after midnight. Got to cut me a little bit of slack on this one. I'll try to have a winner. I'll try to have the winners for Monday's show, if I can remember. But honestly, it didn't even get on my radar. (laughs) I mean, I didn't even have a chance to think about the spread the word winner via social media at Ross Tucker NFL, at Ross Tucker Pod. The sponsor confirmation email winner, the person that goes ahead and takes advantage of one of our sponsors, like Buck Mason, and sends me the email to read and respond to on the show, which I love, or maybe just to win, Ross at RossTucker.com, or my beloved YouTube shout out for the people that subscribe and comment to our awesome YouTube page. I know a lot of people like watching Greg on YouTube, youtube.com slash NFL. It's Big Show time. The Big Show. Wow. Greg, I guess I'm a little bit surprised. You know, last week we spoke after a day of free agency and after a bunch of stuff had gone, really three days of free agency and a bunch of stuff had happened and talked to you about some players and some scheme fits. 
feels like more happened this week, or, or at least more that I want to ask you about. And I think it's probably because of the quarterback dominoes, if you will, that really I think so many people were waiting on what was going to happen with Deshaun Watson. And we found out he got traded for a boatload of picks to the Cleveland Browns. You know, I like to talk to you about the tape and about these guys as players, not off the field conduct, not contracts. So he didn't play this past year, Greg. No. So refresh our memory on just how good Sean Watson was in 2019, 2020. And I guess where you can really lend your expertise, how you see him in Kevin Stefanski's offense. Because I kind of feel like with a lot of the play action and boot stuff that Stefanski loves to do, he's probably salivating over having someone that has the athletic ability that Watson does to really, I think, you know, on those bootlegs and some of that stuff, he can really press the edge and put the defense in a bind. Yeah, and I think Watson has been at his absolute best when he's really found that that perfect balance between playing within structure and then playing outside of structure when it's demanded. I think he's had stretches in his career where he's done that and has played at an incredibly high level. I think he's also had uh, moments in his career where he's left the pocket too early, left throws on the field. Now, he played in Houston behind an offensive line where I'm sure in his head he probably at times anticipated pressure and perceived pressure that wasn't really there, but because he probably went into games thinking, hey, I am going to get pressure, I'm sure that he felt like I'm just going to have to move, and, and he knows he can make plays on the move. But I remember there was a stretch. I believe it was 2019. I, you know, memory, <laughs> it, it's hard because he didn't play this year, where he had about a seven- or eight-game stretch Ross, where he played exceptionally well because he really met that perfect balance between playing within structure because he can throw the ball very well and moving when it was necessary. And I think in Kevin Stefanski's offense, which, you know, every offense is built on structure. Everybody needs to understand that. No coach says, let's just run around today and see what happens. I I think that Kevin Stefanski's offense, theoretically, theoretically, is a good fit for most quarterbacks because it really presents things clearly to the quarterback, defines things for the quarterback. And then if it obviously doesn't work, now you have Deshaun Watson who has outstanding ability to make something happen outside the structure of the design. So I I think he'll fit very well. I think most quarterbacks theoretically would fit well in a Kevin Stefanski offense. So, I got several follow-up questions, Greg. One of which is, I think it's important to discuss this this time of year. I mean, here we are about a month from the draft. Why was Deshaun Watson the 12th pick in the draft? You know, with guys like Watson and Mahomes, Greg, you go back and you're like, why? What happened? And I think it's important that we discuss these things because this year – None of these draft picks or people are that excited about in terms of quarterbacks. And there's talk that, that none of them should go in the first, what, whatever, right? Whether it's Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett, it doesn't matter. What matters is that, you know, when Deshaun Watson came out in the draft, he, w- he didn't go till the 12th pick. 
And I guess I'm curious as to what the knocks were against him. What year did he come out? Do you remember? Um, I'd have to look that up real quick. Uh, 2017. He came out in 2017? Yes. All right. I'm yeah, he came out in 2017. And I, I guess he had so much success at Clemson. You know, winning national championships, going to national championships, you know, starting three years that I I remember being surprised that there were other guys, you know, ranked ahead of him and he wasn't considered like a consensus number one type guy. And if you don't have it in front of you, Greg, it's fine. I just no, I I, um, I guess I, I'm just surprised. No, I pulled up my notes and and just to see what you know what I said at the time, and um, I, I it's funny because I did say a very fine balance between Watson playing from the pocket and leaving the pocket too soon. I said that based on his Clemson tape. I said that was a critical determination as he transitions to the NFL. I thought studying his tape in college that there were questions about consistent accuracy and ball placement. Uh, I thought that he would have to be more accurate on a consistent basis at the NFL level, which I think as his career has progressed, he's become. I think there were questions about his ability to really drive the football. um, And I think he's done that well. Uh, I think every quarterback that comes out of Clemson, there's always a concern that you don't see quarterbacks play in contested muddied pockets because of the nature of that college offense. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of people had a concern that he may not be a true building block foundational quarterback because of some of those concerns. Um, and obviously he's alleviated all that and he's improved and he's become a really, really good NFL quarterback. But I think there were definite concerns just as there were with Patrick Mahomes. So, you know, just because a guy ends up playing well, a lot goes into that. There's many, many variables. Once you have access to the results, it's easy to look back. Yeah, no, that that that's why I was curious. I'm glad you were able to pull up your notes. That's interesting about driving the ball and accuracy. Those are things I think he's done pretty well for yes. the most part that he's been able to improve on. What about the Texans, Greg? You know, they do not seem inclined to really get any other quarterback. They they seem they didn't want Baker Mayfield back in a trade from Cleveland. Yep. They they seem pretty I, I don't know, I, I guess the words content at least for now with Davis Mills. I know well, we've talked about him in the past. Yeah. What what are your thoughts on Davis Mills? I thought his tape was pretty good this year. Don't forget, he did not play on a good team. He played behind an offensive line that I don't have the five names right in front of me that started the final six, seven games of the year. But Tunsil was was injured, uh, so he was not one of those five, and he'll be back. And those five names people would not know. As I said, I can't even remember right now. Um, So I think he acquitted himself well. I think he showed positive traits. Um, I think whatever the injury was with his knee, it clearly was better because he got rid of the big knee brace that he wore his last year at Stanford. And I think there's a sense that he can be a quality NFL starter. You know, again, you get into this discussion that, well, you can't win a Super Bowl unless you have Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady or, you know, one of those kinds of quarterbacks. Um, And 
you know, whether that's true or not, that always remains to be seen. A lot of people before this year, you know, thought Matthew Stafford could never win a Super Bowl either. So you have to be careful about making those kinds of statements. But, you know, Davis Mills throws the ball well. He's a big kid. He's got enough mobility. And they feel, I'm sure, that as they can improve their team and they have a ton of draft choices, that he can line up and play. You know, you could argue that there were stretches this year in which he was better than Mac Jones. So they feel that he can line up and play quarterback for them. And that's not a pressing, pressing need in terms of giving up capital to get a quarterback. I mentioned Mayfield, Greg. And before we move on to Matt Ryan or some other people, since we were talking about the trade to Cleveland, I did want to get your thoughts on Mayfield. You know, he's obviously on the trading block. Yep. Nothing has happened there. You know, I, I guess I thought a couple years ago he played pretty darn well. And, you know, the Browns won a road playoff game and almost won the divisional round at Kansas City. This past year, a lot was made over his shoulder injury and other injuries he had this year. What did you see on tape? I guess I'm a little surprised that there doesn't seem to be more interest in him You're talking about a former number one overall pick who two years ago played well and led a team on the precipice of the conference championship game. You know, it's, it's interesting, Greg, nobody really cares if you didn't play as well because you were injured. Nobody gives you credit for that. Um, You know, to me, there's probably something off the field here that we don't know about. When, When I say that, I don't mean he's done something wrong, you know, I mean, just maybe attitude, things of that nature. There's got to be something like that. Because I think when you talk to coaches, they'll tell you that Baker Mayfield is very, very talented. Um, Now, there's been a lot of talk about, well, uh, he didn't fit into Kevin Stefanski's system. I don't buy that. In fact, I think that when I went back and, and watched Mayfield coming out of college, he was actually a precision player. There was a sense that he's sort of a, an improvisational, loosey-goosey player. That's not when Mayfield's been at his best, nor did he play that way at Oklahoma in that last year. So I don't know what happened. I know that they were lacking receivers this year. I know that teams started to condense their coverage and really squeeze the, uh, the offense, the pass game, particularly on third down, where they were not very good at all on third down. And my guess is without knowing what's in Baker Mayfield's head, that he just didn't feel like there were throws to be made and he got stuck a lot. And, you know, when he gets stuck a lot and he starts to move, I think the the recklessness in his game at times comes out. So clearly he did not play as well this year. And as you said, no one cares about the injuries. Maybe that was a factor. Maybe it wasn't. But there's got to be something more because Baker Mayfield has the talent to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Greg, let's move on to Matt Ryan because I think a lot of Colts fans want to hear what you saw from him this past year, what you think Matt Ryan has left. There seems to be a debate about that, discrepancy between people in terms of what Matt Ryan still is at this stage of his career and how much he has left. Obviously, Colts fans are interested, but I kind of think fans of other teams are as well that theoretically could have gotten Matt Ryan. What did you see from him in 2021 in Arthur Smith's offense? I think Matt Ryan is at the point in his career, and to some degree he's always been like this, but I think he needs team. And he did not have a lot of it in Atlanta. He did not have a run game. He had a below average 
uh, NFL, uh, a, a below average offensive line by NFL standards. There was not a very good defense in Atlanta. So he had to be the guy. And Matt Ryan may have never been quite that guy. Uh, and he's certainly not now. So going to a team like Indianapolis, dominant run game, good O-line, good defense. He's in the in the strict meaning of the word, Ross, he is a system player. Um, and he's always been to a large degree. Keep in mind the best year he had in his career, and I think he was NFL MVP the year they went to the Super Bowl, was under Kyle Shanahan's offense, which is really defined and really presents things cleanly to the quarterback. That's what Matt Ryan is. He's a strider as a thrower, so he needs room to be secure in the pocket. He did not have that very often in Atlanta last year. So I think this is a really good spot for Matt Ryan. We know he doesn't have a big arm. He never did. Is it a little worse than it was six or seven years ago? Yes. He's not going to drive the ball down the field. But Matt Ryan is, is in some ways like a Phillip Rivers. He understands everything that's going on. He often wins before the snap of the ball. He's not going to make wow throws, but he's going to execute your offense. He's an executor. He's a ball distributor, and he'll be the same guy snap after snap after snap. Let's talk about the other two quarterback signings, Greg. Um, Not that surprised that Jameis Winston is back in New Orleans. Uh, What did you see from Jameis in New Orleans before his injury, obviously they liked what they saw enough that they brought him back. They didn't love it. Otherwise they wouldn't have been trying so hard to get Deshaun Watson. So th- there's some, there's some middle ground there, I suppose. Yeah. And I think Deshaun Watson clearly is a high level NFL quarterback and every team's looking for the high level NFL quarterback. You, you, you know, as we discussed Watson already, you could argue Watson's top five quarterback in the league at his best. So everybody is looking for that guy. Uh, but Jameis played well a year ago. Um, you know, I think obviously Sean Payton's not there anymore, but they have the same offensive coordinator. My guess is the offense will be the same. So Jameis is familiar with it. You know, Jameis has always been a guy that could throw the football. That's another team that was lacking in terms of of outside receiver personnel. Now they've got some other issues that they have to address because they just lost Taron Armstead to the Miami Dolphins. So, uh, and we'll get to the Dolphins, I'm sure, in a moment here. But, um, uh, you know, I think that Jameis, you can line up and play with Jameis. He's a good thrower of the football. You know, his issue has always been that there's been a little bit of a recklessness to his game that you have to rein in. And it, it may be just part of his DNA, and it was not a big issue in the number of games in which he played a year ago. You hope you can continue to coach that out of him without taking away the aggressiveness that you like about him. And that's a tough balancing act. What about, I don't even know if you have notes on this guy, Greg. It's been a while since he played. My guess is they end up drafting a quarterback as well, but... I don't even know what notes you would have. You have to go back several years. What do you think Arthur Smith sees in Marcus yeah. Mariota bringing him to Atlanta, where it, it appears to me like he'll be the starter pending a, a draft pick would be my guess. Yeah, and, and I thought like he's familiar with Marcus Mariota. <clears throat> um, you know, again, you need a starting quarterback, and I think the feeling is he's been a starter in the league. 
you need to line up with someone. I think they have to address their run game. Last year, their running backs were Mike Davis and Cordero Patterson. I think Arthur Smith would like the offense to start with the run game. And this is where you get into a team-specific situation. This is a team that needs a good back. They need to be able to run the ball and have Marcus Mariota work the play-action pass game, the play-action boot game, get the designed run element into the offense with Mariota. He can do that. You want to define the throws for him because I think Mariota's always struggled a bit to work the middle of the field where there's a lot of bodies, so you really have to define it. But he's been a starter in the league, certainly not a poor one. Obviously, the league decided he was not quite good enough to be the guy but it's the same situation with Mitchell Trubisky. A year ago, the league told Mitchell Trubisky he wasn't good enough to be a starter. This year, the league's decided, well, Pittsburgh decided that, you know what, he's good enough to be our starter. Arthur Smith is in the same situation. The league has kind of said that Marcus Mariota is not quite good enough, but when you need a quarterback, you need a quarterback, Ross. Exactly. And when you need a receiver, you need a receiver. Let's get to the biggest news, Greg, which I think I'm saving for last. I don't know if it's the biggest news. It's the most recent. It happened last night. The Kansas City Chiefs trading Tyreek Hill to the Miami Dolphins. We got to talk about it from both sides, Greg. Uh, let's talk about it first from the Dolphins side. Why you think they did this, how you think he fits in Mike McDaniel's offense. Well, Mike McDaniel clearly wants speed because not only did do they have Waddle, who's been there, they signed Hill, they signed Raheem Mostert. Um, they also signed Chase Edmonds. So uh, Mike McDaniel wants speed. And I think he understands a couple of things. You have to play to your quarterback, okay? So they have a quarterback in Tua who's a limited player. So now you have to surround him with the opportunity to create big explosive plays because that's what this league has become when it comes to offense. So now in the run game, theoretically, you have a back and moster. He can create big explosive plays. Now you have two wide receivers who can take short passes and turn them into long gains and touchdowns. And that's the kind of quarterback Tua is. Tua is a rhythmic quarterback. He's very much an RPO quarterback, which, of course, Tyreek Hill is familiar with. They did a, a number of RPO concepts in Kansas City. Um, Waddle has been there, so he, he knows what Tua is, and they featured RPOs anyway with the previous coaching staff because what everybody has found out who's coached Tua is that he's a purely a timing rhythm thrower. The ball needs to come out. But now you can also orchestrate and manufacture and scheme some big play shot plays because that's what you're looking for. You have two receivers that can run. So you can do that because you've got the run game element, which will dictate certain things about how the defense lines up. And you know that from your film study going in. So I think that ultimately that's what their offense will look like. Tua is not Patrick Mahomes. He's not going to sit in the pocket and drive the ball down the field late in the down. That's not going to happen. But Hill and Waddle will be uh, players that can catch slant routes off RPO action, glance routes, and take it to the house. And that's what their offense will look like in addition to schemed shot plays. Greg, what about for Kansas City? Uh, I think Chiefs fans are stunned Based on social media, some Chiefs players are stunned. It's kind of hard to picture that offense without him. He's been such a big part of yeah. it. Yeah. Well, he's the fastest receiver in the league. And obviously, because of Mahomes, 
throwing ability and arm talent, Mahomes could take him down the field. Like I said, that won't really happen in Miami, not in the same way. Um, so now Kansas City, I'm sure, will address the wide receiver position in the draft. They obviously have more draft choices. Um, you can always find receivers. I'm not suggesting there's 20 Tyree kills out there. There are not. Uh, but there are speed receivers in this draft if they're interested in a speed receiver. Um, so we'll see what Kansas City does. I doubt Kansas City will all of a sudden become a run-first team, Russ. That's not Andy Reid. So they'll, they'll find a receiver or two, and they'll probably run a very similar offense, and they'll figure it out. Um, I, to me, the trade was a surprise because it wasn't really talked about before it happened. Did you, did you know Tyreek Hill was going to be on the trading block? Nope. I didn't know it at all until kind of, I read it like about an hour before it happened. And then all of a sudden he was gone. Yeah. It's funny how that happens. Right. Uh, check this man out on social media at Greg Cosell. We'll get to some college prospects next week, but there was just too much to discuss with Greg today. That was more pressing. Greg, you are the man. Thank you as always. All right. Thanks Ross. Appreciate it. I appreciate Greg, and I appreciate Buck Mason. Their clothes, second to none. I ordered a bunch, uh, like, I don't know, three or four weeks ago. Got them in. So cool. I have this, like, jacket. I don't even know how to describe it. It's a gray, um, like, peacoat jacket. It's amazing. Maybe I can read. I can tell you exactly what I got. So, I got... um, a couple of Pima curved Hem Henley t-shirts that are awesome. I got a marled gray felted chore coat, which I love. Uh, a deep military Venice wash brushed loop back uh, pants. Very cool that I needed. They just have a lot of awesome stuff there. They have all the essentials. Jeans, shirts, jackets. It's nice to get a tailored look. I mean, it. It's like regular clothing that fits Taylor, which is awesome. I'm telling you, once you try Buck Mason, they'll become your go-tos. Head over to buckmason.com slash Ross and get a free t-shirt with your first order. That's B-U-C-K-M-A-S-O-N dot com slash Ross to get a free t-shirt with your first order. BuckMason.com slash Ross. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Morning, Ross. Well, let's uh, talk about that Tyreek Hill trade. He goes from the Chiefs to the Dolphins for five draft picks, a first, a second, and a fourth this year, plus a fourth and a sixth next year. And then he signs a deal that pays him $75 million in the first three years. Couple thoughts, Bri. Uh, Very surprised that the Chiefs did this. However, I think they realized that Tyreek Hill was going to be a problem that Tyreek Hill wanted Devontae Adams' money, DeAndre Hopkins' money. He wanted it now. And I think the Chiefs 
thought, you know what? We're not going to be able to pay everyone at the very top of the market. And if you look, Patrick Mahomes kind of got paid at the top of the market, but kind of not. And then if you look at Travis Kelsey, his deal's almost affordable. I mean, Travis Kelsey, I think the Chiefs got for a steal. I think they were open to doing something big with Tyreek Hill. I think they were open to doing something real big. But when he wanted absolute above and beyond, I mean, $75 million first three years, $25 million a year, uh, which really, in terms of what money guys will actually get, is even a couple million more than Devontae Adams got. I think, you know, the Chiefs thought, we, we just can't do that. We're, we're not going to do that. And if we can get five draft choices, a one, a two, a four, a four and six, we got to do that. So I understand why the Chiefs did it. I'm sure they wanted to sign him to an extension. But the Devontae Adams money and trade just kind of threw everything. And by the way, Tyreek Hill has every right, more power to him to do what's in his best interest. He wants to go back to South Florida. He wants as much money as possible. Tyreek Hill is getting what he wants. The Chiefs are making the best out of the situation. The Dolphins' perspective on it is pretty interesting. They are, between this and Teron Armstead, the big left tackle from New Orleans who they signed, you know, for the Dolphins to trade this many draft picks for Tyreek Hill and pay him this much money, after they paid this much money, after they gave up draft picks for Jalen Waddell, makes me think a couple things. Perhaps they're just trying to make sure they give Tua every chance to show what he can do before they decide maybe we have to move on, maybe not. It almost feels like the move of a general manager who's sort of on the hot seat. And lastly, it kind of comes across to me as a team that really wants to change the narrative or the discussion. And maybe this is perhaps a little cynical. Maybe it's all football related. But it just feels like you get Tyree Kill and you have a better year that maybe people will talk about that more than they will the Brian Flores lawsuit. Maybe that has absolutely nothing to do with it. But it's a possibility. Let's put it that way. It's a possibility that that is a part, not a big part, but maybe a part of this trade for the Dolphins. Ducks takes. As you mentioned, uh, Dolphins not done with that deal. Uh, they also did Teron Armstead, signed him to a huge contract as well. Tremendous player, need position for the Dolphins. Problem is he's he's been banged up a lot. You know, he's played through some injuries. He's missed games. And I think that was the hesitancy of some of the other teams to probably give Teron what he was looking for. The most important ability is availability. You know, if they're going to be paying you, they want you out there. Ducks takes. Malcolm Butler's going back to the New England Patriots. $9 million to return. He's going back, going back to New England, New England. He's going back. Boy, I'm really butchering that, Bri. Who sings that? I'm going back to Cali, Cali. Do you know? No, I don't know. If you did know, would you say, or do you prefer to leave me hanging? No, I, I wouldn't leave you hanging on this one. I just don't know. 
I'm going. I, now I got to look it up. I'm going back to Cali, Cali. I'm going back. Is that Biggie? Really? Yeah. Biggie Smalls. Wow. I didn't remember that. I do know that it's awkward that Malcolm Butler's going there because the last time he was with New England, they didn't play him in the Super Bowl, which is just bizarre. I hope the Patriots beat writers just ask him about that every day because I'm still dying to know what happened there that they didn't play him at all in that Super Bowl against the Eagles. Fascinated by that. Ducks takes. And finally, the Green Bay Packers signed Jaron Reed, among a number of other small moves around the league in the last couple of days. Well, Jaron Reed's a pretty good player, and so that, that's a nice pickup for the Packers. They want another more run-stuffing D-tackle. The Giants signed Justin Ellis, a run-stuffing D-tackle. The Commanders signed D-end F.A. Obata, who's uh, from the U.K., Falcons re-signed DB Eric Harris. You know, the Raiders signed former Chiefs receiver Demarcus Robinson. Interesting that the Chiefs didn't get him back, although they got Valdez Scantling coming in today. That seems like a good fit. The Chiefs signed former Bears safety Deion Bush. William Golston is back with the Bucks. The Cowboys signed a punter, Brian Anger, three million years. So a bunch of bunch of smaller moves being made out there. Uh, Already fired up about Monday's guest on the Ross Tucker football podcast. Highly encourage you guys to check out Even Money this week. Was fantastic. Fantasy Feast with Joe going over some of these moves from a fantasy perspective was awesome. Please check out those other shows. And you can still be the winner this week. I'll pick one out, and uh, I'll announce it Monday. Shout-outs, Pizza Boy Brewing, evergreenecon.com, changing up the order a little bit, Sportaculture, go-bangles.com, steakhousesports.com, and humanheadnyc.com. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. A lot of times on the show, I mentioned DraftKings. Here's what you need to know. you got to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or in Indiana, 109WITHIT. By the way, if what I was talking about included a deposit bonus, it doesn't always, sometimes it does. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough, and deposit bonuses are paid out in site credit. 